The uh, message that I have today is a company or partner. And the understanding that we have between these two words, they're similar but different, uh, a company partner. And I was thinking of it in the context of how that the Holy Spirit is accompanying us and partnering with us. And um, it's, it's important that what God is going to do with us, through us, in us, in this new year is going to be, he's already done this, but it's up to us to understand what he is inferring whenever he is partnering with us, when we are accompanied by uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so the two words, I've asked David, if you'll come up, and I have Lorraine here, uh, we're going to have a, a sense of what, ha what happens in a partnering uh, perspective, especially when David is, uh, he's talking about rock climbing, and an accompaniment, an accompanist to accompany someone uh, is from the orchestra. What does an orchestra look for? What does a conductor look for? What does a, a flutist look for in accompanying? So, um, David, do you have a, do we have a mic? Is there a mic he could use to make sure? Is this one here on? Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good morning. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, what partner means or a company means in the climbing world um, is, I guess what makes a good partner is somebody who looks out for you <laughs> in rock climbing, and it's somebody who is, um, um, is safe, first and foremost, and has, has, in order to be safe, they have to have the experience and knowledge to be able to um, be there with you, and while, to me, I think the whole idea of partner and accompanying um, has any has most to do with knowing that there are times when when each person kind of takes the lead, and the other one is the support to be able to um, to care for them and carry for them whenever whenever is, is needed, and that's also in our uh, experience with uh, in Lasse in El Salvador and our partners, um, we've had a lot of experience with. U.S. church partners who come down on mission trips and serving trips and serving teams, and they talk about it sometimes as a partnership, but sometimes it's not really a partnership. When we, as North Americans, come down um, and want to do things to or for the poor people as the passive people, that's not partnership. <laughs> that's not accompaniment. Um, but when the true partnership happens, it is when they people are willing to walk alongside and truly accompany and, um, and be uh, with and work alongside people in their, in their own poverty so that there is no one who is passive in the partnership. So that would be a brief overview of what we would consider partnership in the climbing and, and uh, in Lasse world. And Lorraine loves to speak in public. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> she said she can play in front of 10,000, but don't ask her to say anything. So, yeah. no, it, it's not quite that bad, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, accompaniment in the musical world um, is, it's similar, your, your partners. Um, however, a good accompanist is like gold. <laughs> it's a, they're a real true artist. Um, in a different sense that a soloist is an artist. So for me, if I were a soloist, my accompanist, um, you know, I, is 
a second, I don't want to say a secondary role, but a much more flexible role than I am because I, if I'm playing something and I want to take a little bit of rubato or a little bit of extra time, because as a flutist you kind of do that so you can take your breath gracefully without uh, sounding like you're needing an iron lung. So I'll turn around to my accompanist, can you, can you do a little bit of a retard there? Can you breathe with me there? Sure, I can do that. You know, I mean, so, and as I play, if I, if I get involved in something and I'm moving the tempo a little bit faster, an accompanist will go right with me. It's a, it's a true art. Um, a partner in music, I would say, would be more like two soloists and an accompanist. You know, two soloists kind of work together, and you know, like you said, sometimes one person will take the lead, sometimes another person will. Um, but an accompanist is someone that makes your life really easy, <laughs> easier, I should say, but a true artist. It's, it's like playing in a symphony. I've played principal flute and I've played second flute. Principal flute, you're more of a soloist. And if you play second flute and you play a duet with the principal flute, you breathe where the principal flute wants to breathe. If the principal flute needs a breath, you take a little extra time you know, that kind of thing. With the conductor, you'll watch a conductor accompanying a soloist, he will watch the soloist. He probably won't even look at the orchestra that much as he will look at the soloist. What are the pianist's hands doing? When is the, the vocalist getting ready or the instrumentalist to take a breath? When is the violinist changing bows? Uh, you know, so that's kind of the, an accompanist is a person that helps you to do your job the best you can. Yeah. Well, you, can you see the uh, similarities between the Holy Spirit's work in our life and how that the Holy Spirit is working in us in everyday life, that whenever we have to take time to breathe, <laughs> you know, we're there. God is the breath of life. He is breathing into us. He is giving us his spirit and his um, uh, his word and bringing the word to life and we're following in this partnership and sometimes we're leading we are doing that we're in the action of living our life and God is in the process of being supporting us with all of his power and his gifts and his presence so uh, I, I have one other thing you can, you can be seated I guess I might call you back up. I don't know. <laughs> but I, have, I, I found this on the Internet whenever I was talking. Think, I put in the search was accompaniment, and I came up with this one, and it is the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and it is their version of O Holy Night, and we're not going to do the whole thing, just maybe two minutes of it. That was Jose on the lead guitar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was Jose. He had a wig on that day at the. But partner and accompaniment, and Lorraine wasn't watching it, but you could hear the symphony. You could hear the the guitar. You could hear the piano. You could hear all these strings, you know, and some, pe some people ask us, you know, why do you, you will you go to the symphony? Um, we go to the symphony. Well, we haven't for a couple of years, but we used to have the se season passes for the symphony. 
But for me, I love the strings, you know. Uh, I love the strings. Rhonda loves the trumpets and, and whatever. But when you get a whole symphony and they're doing a, the, the strings, the violins and everything, it, to me it's just like heaven, you know. <laughs> but when you think of this, do you, can, you, can we see our life as perhaps sometimes we're the piano, <laughs> sometimes we're the guitar, Sometimes we're the section, uh, you know, the violins or whatever, but our life is put together, uh, our life is put together like a symphony. Our life is like that whole thing going on, that orchestra going on, and in all of that that's there, every person in that orchestra is doing something at a specific time and in a specific way following a pattern. Do we ever see our life as that's the way God is at work in our life? All of the things that are going on around us, all of the, you know, the traffic and, you know, driving and the people, the work, the things we do, we're all part of this symphony going on, and God is aware of everything that's going on at every moment of every day, and to the, to the extent that there is not even a sparrow that falls to the ground that God doesn't know it. There's not one hair that falls from your head that God doesn't know it. And that he is all together in this whole thing, and here we are trying and look, looking at our life, and we think we would, how far, how far-sighted, how nearsighted, how blind we are to think that we're the only performer in the whole orchestra. Because it's more than just us. And what is happening in our life is more than just what happens to us or around us. We are part of this whole scenario. We're part of the body of Christ. We are part of this orchestra. And to think of in, in Matthew 11, it says, walk with me, work with me. Jesus is talking about how that we need to enter into the yoke. The King James Version has, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. In the Message Bible, it has, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. <laughs> Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. How that God's grace is an unforced rhythm, unforced symphony of life and of love and of change and challenge and, and how that he is going to be at work in the whole process to take us through an entire symphony, an entire movement. And, uh, you know, use the analogy of uh, being a puzzle and that, you know, here we get the, you get the puzzle, you look at the picture, then you cut open the puzzle and dump out the pieces and you start putting them together. Well, God sees the entire puzzle, that God sees the entire picture of our life and how that our puzzle, our life intermingles with others and how that we all come together. But every piece that is put together in our life, God knows that before we were even born, God knew what that piece would be. God knows how that that piece fits in with all the other pieces and all those pieces are connected to the past and all those pieces are being put together and God is at work to make it good. God is working it to a divine good, a divine program, a divine symphony that God is putting together in our lives and we are part of it. You are part of the symphony of this church. You are part of the symphony of the body of Christ. 
You are part of the symphony that God is moving here and around the world that you are supporting. Uh, supporting the church in, in uh, El Salvador, supporting the church in Africa, supporting the church in Europe. We are part of that symphony that's going on around the world. You see, I think sometimes we have a very limited scope of what God is trying to do, of what God is trying to do in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. You know, there are different stories, and one of my favorites, of course, is Joseph in the Bible, and how that Joseph has a dream, and it is, it is a dream that God has given him. And the dream that God gave Joseph was, you know, I don't understand it. I get there's these sheaves of wheat, and they're all, and they all bow down before me, even the big sheaf, <laughs> his father, big sheaf, uh, big chief. <laughs> his father bows down, they all bow down before Joseph. And then, of course, the sun, moon, and stars. And here is a God-given dream that his family doesn't get it. <laughs> Here's a God-given dream that his family doesn't get it. And you see, sometimes people don't get your dream. Some people don't understand what you're talking about when you're, th- you know, I, 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 I the uh, movie Amadeus, it's about Mozart. And I love that movie, too, you know. I, I, I like, because the, Mozart is this, he's, he can write a symphony, and say, this is the impression that the movie presented, and, and I think that people are like this, that they can write, and they can hear a symphony in their head, and they can write it. They can put all those notes on, on paper, they can put all those notes for every instrument, and they can put it all on paper, and they can write an entire, instru- an entire symphony and, and because of what they hear and see in their head. Well, Joseph has a dream of people are going to bow down to him, people, that he is a person of importance and of value. But, he, but guess what? He's in the wrong place. He has the right dream, but he's in the wrong place. And what does he go through? He goes through the jealousy of his brothers, and his brothers throw him in a pit, and they're going to just leave him there. But then they get the bright idea, you know, we might as well make some money out of him, and they sell him as a slave. So here is a dream, and he is placed in a situation that he's never going to get out of. You never get out of being a slave. Because being a slave means somebody owns you, and if they can make money on you, they're going to sell you to someone else. So slavery was a common denominator, common market at those days. So here's Joseph. He goes down and finds himself in Potiphar's house, and he's bought by Potiphar. And what does he do? In his mind and in his spirit, he knows that he has to excel. No matter where he is, what he is doing, he has to excel at what he does. You see, this, I believe, is the work of God in our life, that we are to excel we are, to, we are to allow this symphony to be its best. Lorraine, how many hours a day do you practice? Two to three hours every day she practices the flute. You don't even work for the symphony anymore. <laughs> yeah, she used to practice more, since she, but now that she's retired, it's two to three hours. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... What do we do with what, who we are? You see, our study, our, 
whatever we're doing, we're looking at how do we excel at who we are as a person. And the God-given dream that God has placed in our minds and our hearts is something that we have to allow God to work in us. So here's Joseph, and he, is, he has this dream that he's, he's going, you know, people are going to bow down, bow down to him. So what does he do? He works his way to the top. He's second in the, in the house of Potiphar. Only one person above him, Potiphar. So that would have meant everybody in Potiphar's household would have had to bow down to Joseph. Hey, that's the fulfillment of the dream. Right dream, wrong place. (laughs) Well, these people are bowing down. This must be what God meant. Not necessarily. Right dream, wrong place. Needed to move on from there. Did you ever notice that in our life that whenever we have difficulties and Tabby, where's Tabby? Tabby's in the back. I was going to say, you know, with her mom, uh, it's like when difficult, there you are. Hi, Tabby. Yeah, she, she hears me. Uh, you know, when difficulties come into our lives, why do they always come at the most inopportune time? You know, when is the, when is the right time for a difficulty? <laughs> you know what? Things are really going good. I could really use a good problem right about now. You know? I could really use a really, really good, really bad problem to come into my life right now because, you know, things are just too good. Well, that's not how it works, but we know this, that whenever we are growing on in our life, difficulties come. And difficulties come, what if, what if in the whole scenario of the puzzle being put together, and in the orchestra and all this, that in the practice and the rehearsals and all the things that are going on for the symphony and the orchestra and all this to come together, somebody comes up flat. <laughs> and it's, you know, I can, I can excel at that, being flat. But, uh, and especially when it comes to notes, and sometimes with sermons. But anyhow, we find ourselves at this place where something goes wrong. We had a plan, we had a purpose, and things go wrong. Why do things go wrong when they go wrong? At that time, at that place, at that moment. What if it is this obstacle that has to be gone through in order to come out the other side where God wants us to be? What if it is not the hand of God that but it is the permissive will of God or it wouldn't have happened because here we have Joseph seeing himself as a leader in his family. All my family members are going to bow down to me. Wow. Then he goes to Potiphar's house, sold as a slave, slave. All the servants servants of Potiphar's house are bowing down to him. That's where it's at. No. (laughs) What happens with Potiphar, his wife, desires to be with Joseph, and Joseph refuses, and they send him off to prison. So here again, he finds himself being, being at the wrong, he's at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, or he's at the right place at the right time with the right people. Which is it? In our lives, we're more apt to say, it's something, it's the wrong place, wrong time, because look at, what, look at the things, look at the events, look at what has happened, because they didn't, they haven't, they're not flowing the way they should, but guess what? It is the interruption of that flow that causes us to stop where we are at, re-envision what God wants to do in our life, and see how God is going to take us to the next level. 
So the circumstances of our life, God is at work. What is he doing? He's accompanying us. He's partnering with us. How can I ever cancel the partnership with God? I mean, if we want and desire the partnership with God, he's not leaving. God isn't leaving. And the partnership I have with God is enter into this yoke, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I like that one (laughs) for music. Unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. God's unmerited blessings upon our life. Learn how the unforced rhythms of grace flow into our lives. Well, what about when you have a broken leg? What about when you're going to have surgery? What about, you know, a backache, a headache, a pain in the neck, a pain beside you, to the left of you, to the right of you? <laughs> you know? What about the unforced, how do all those things work? The unforced rhythms of grace are that these people who are in situations are not really the pain, but they're just simply being used by God to take you to another level. Because you're writing a symphony, you are putting together a puzzle, you are putting together the pieces of our life, and always that in this puzzles that were this puzzle of life, the rhythms of grace. God sees the entire picture. He knows where he wants to take us. And these are ways that God is getting our attention to stop and look again at what he wants to do. So, you know, is it one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel? (laughs) Or is it really the how that God is at work in my life and Potiphar's wife framing Joseph, you know, that doesn't seem like a good deal. (laughs) But we know that in Joseph's life, he goes to prison, and when he's at prison, what happens there? He will not allow himself to lose vision of where he needs to be. So the prison bars cannot keep him from becoming this person, this dreamer. (laughs) He's a dreamer. And what is a dreamer? A dreamer is a person who has ideas and has where we can be, what we can do, what we can become, how that this can work, how that it can continue to grow on from where we're at. That's the dreamer. And the dreamer, the God dreamer, is the person who knows that in their heart, God is behind them. God is the motivator of the ideas. God is the one who has instigated the ideas, the dreams in our hearts. Then when we have the instigation, we have those initiation of those dreams, we we have to find a way to fulfill it. But what happens when things out of our control continue to dominate our life experience and we're still left with a dream. That's where we have to see the unforced rhythms of grace. That's where we see God at work behind the scenes, in the scenes, and part of everything that's going on. So here's Joseph now in prison. Prison is not a good place. (laughs) But Joseph not only makes the best of it for his own life, he makes the best of it for everybody around him to the point that he is now second in command of of the prison. 
Only the, the prison warden is the guy who is above him. And what happens to everybody else? They have to bow down to Joseph because he's the head, he's the head honcho there. He's the head man. And so in the prison, go, how oh, here we have the circumstances again where people come in. They have dreams. These are important people. They have dreams. And while well, we've got a dreamer here, and he knows what they mean. <laughs> well, Joseph interpreted their dreams. And what did he tell them? Please don't forget about me. <laughs> don't forget me here in the prison. Get me out of this place. Get me out of the behind these bars. Get me out of here. And what happens to people whenever you ask and you trust and believe that they're going to help you? They forget about you. <laughs> That's the one thing. <laughs> people sometimes have a tendency to forget. But you see, it is not the people that have to remember us. We have to remember that God knows us. God knows exactly where we are at. He knows the exact piece that we are putting into our puzzle. He knows the exact person that is being formed in the circumstances of life. He knows the exact symphony that is being written about our life and all of the unforced rhythms of grace that flow into what God is doing at this very moment. So these people forget him. But see, Joseph can't lose sight of who he is. He's God's. God is at work in every aspect of our lives, in every event of our lives, in every attitude of our life, of every dream in our life. God is at work. So if God is at work in every dream of our life and that God is a God who instills faith and we must have faith to believe in what he wants us to believe in. We must have faith. We must have the love of God to, to love through us, to love those people who are in need. You know, um, it just seems, I, I was kind of surprised the other day. We were uh, walking, returned something out of, from a store, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, we're walking out the store. And there's this lady got this package, you know. It's huge, and she's struggling with it and whatever. And so, you know, me, and, hey, I'll help you with that. She's going to give me the whole thing. I said, no, 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 I'll help you carry it, because you know, I wouldn't be able to carry it, you know. But anyhow, I got talking to her, and she says, yeah, we're returning this. We bought it for my dad, and he died Christmas Eve. <laughs> it's like, okay, here I am, right place, right time, right person. And you want to know about grief? Here I am. <laughs> I'm good at grieving, you know. I can tell. But anyhow, we walked through this whole thing, and I said, they, and she ended up telling me that her dad was a part of some other hospice program, and it was a horrible situation. And I said, well, you know, I belong to, and I've worked with, and that God is with you and help you, and that we're going to work through this. And the next thing you know, we're talking about grief and loss and returning a television <laughs> to the store that they had ordered online. And was that just a fateful chance encounter? Or was that exactly where you needed to be, the unforced rhythm of grace, working in somebody's life, that the person who has lost their father has not been forgotten by God? Unforced rhythms of grace. 
Well, here's Joseph in this prison, and after he interpreted these people's dreams, that they forgot him in prison. And so for two more years, Joseph is there. What is he doing? He is honing his skills of leadership. And if you can be a leader of convicts, (laughs) he knew how to lead people, ordinary slaves. He knew how to now become a leader of the free people of Egypt. And now he knows how to lead the very lowest people in a society, the, the, not the lowest, but the most difficult people in a society, those who have rebelled against leadership and, and the schemers and the connivers, and Joseph has now learned how to take care of them. So every people, all the people that he needs to learn how to lead, Joseph is now in, in position to lead them, and it's at that moment Pharaoh has dreams. Scares him half to death. To the point that the cupbearer that Joseph had interpreted the dreams for steps forward and says, I know somebody who can lead, I know somebody who can tell you what your dreams are. They send for Joseph. Joseph interprets the dreams. And this is the part. After Joseph told Pharaoh the dreams, and What's going to happen? Seven years, of fa- seven years of prosperous prosperity and seven years of famine. And the seven years of famine are going to eat up everything that is good. Well, how are we going to stop this? How are we going to help this? And Pharaoh said unto the officials, Isn't this the man we need? Are we going to find anyone else who has God's spirit in him like this? And that's the focus of how that God is going to lead us and how that, that our lives are entering into the yoke with Jesus, that we are in this life together with him and that he has, and he's an accompanying us, he's partnering with us, and all the best aspect of accompaniments and partnering are found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is at work in us to take us through each of the circumstances, situations, problems that we face. Isn't this the man we need? Isn't this what God, you know, is is this the place that God is leading us? And sold as a slave, right dream, wrong time. Potiphar's house, right dream, wrong time. Prison, right dream, wrong time. But being faithful in the unforced rhythms of grace, there is a man, when Pharaoh has the need, there is a man who has the Spirit of God in him. And you see, that's the Spirit that makes us different, the Spirit of God. Because that Spirit will lead us, teach us, guide us, accompany us, accompany, partner, looking out for us, we look out for God, we do not offend him, that our spirit is not offensive to the Holy Spirit, and that his spirit is leading us each step of the way. And at the right time, at the right place, at the right situation, Pharaoh sent for Joseph. Joseph comes in, interprets the dream, second in command. 
Now all of Egypt but one man, all of the then known world but one man bowed to Joseph. Dream long time ago, not in Bethlehem, (laughs) a long time ago in Israel with his father he had a dream, a God dream. And God is at work in our lives and he gives us our dreams. And he has the power to fulfill them. Unforced rhythms of grace. Partnered. What's the other word? Accompany. Partner and accompany. That's what God is doing in his spirit. And this new year, that's our desire. To have God dreams and then allow God to accompany us and partner with us in every aspect of our lives. Amen? Unforced rhythms of grace, and we just have a symphony (laughs) going on around us. You know? Some of us, we're, we're harpers. The harps, we're just harping on everything. I couldn't help it, I'm sorry. So let's stand, shall we? <laughs> Do you have another song? Would you like to pull another song for us? Yes. What's that? She's going to. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Play your song, then we'll close in prayer. Unforced rhythms of grace. Sit down. Frolicky. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah. That's good. To a professional, it's just music.
to us, it's music. <laughs> wow. But in unforced rhythms of grace, partnering and accompanying, it's music. It's wow. God is involved in every aspect of our life. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the strength that you give us. Thank you, O oh God for your word that is a light to our path and to our minds and our hearts as we go through the day and we go through the difficulties. Lord, we pray for those who are having surgery. God, we pray your anointing upon them. We pray, O oh God, for your, your hand to be upon the surgeons and guide them as they do their work. May it be your hand at work. God, for those who are ill and sick and among us, God, we pray for your healing touch. And each of us, Lord, in our everyday events, let the unforced, unforced rhythms of grace, the symphony of your love, come together in us <laughs> that we might sense and feel and understand you are at work in every situation. Amen? God bless. <laughs>